another episode of keeping it real this is jay today we're going to talk about how to live longer extend your life and your health so it's kind of going to be the just the physical portion because you can get into medical procedures drugs supplements all sorts of other stuff but physically what can you do that can extend your life so this could turn into another uh series or something like that. I could make it a two or three part series because I could talk about the drugs and the medical procedures and other things you can do to intervene and help you extend your life. But we're going to talk about what's in your control. What can you physically do today? Okay. But first and foremost, I'm just going to throw this out there. What's coming up right now here in the next couple months and in the next couple years, the future. Now and in the very near future, not talking about decades later or 100 years later or something like that. Studies and stuff that are being conducted right now that are very exciting, that are on the horizon, that we can look forward to in the next couple of months or like I said, the next couple of years. Stem cells. You've probably heard about stem cells. In Panama, they are taking four-day-old umbilical cord stem cells and injecting human beings for rehabilitating horrible wounds, healing tendons, ligaments, and even regrowing cartilage that's missing. It literally regrows damaged or missing tissue. Now, I know you have to have money to go to Panama, and I know you got to have money to get this kind of thing done, and America won't allow it. Why? Because probably the pharmaceutical manufacturers and surgeons and things like that don't want that stuff here because it puts them out of business, right? So that's just one thing. Stem cells are phenomenal. Every person I've heard that's had these procedures done, that's available now. You can do this now if you have the money. Uh, Joe Rogan has had Mel Gibson's dad on and Joe Rogan has done stem cells. Um, phenomenal. They have completely healed whatever ailments they had. Like I know Mel Gibson's dad was in a wheelchair in his 90s and is now up and running around. That's fucking crazy. Um, so anyways, that's one thing to look forward to in the future. Then there's gene therapies to regenerate like nerves and tissue. It's already being successfully done. Like they've made a blind person had the capacity to see again. For the first time, the epigenome actually controls your genetics. It is what flips on and off the switches for your genetics, giving it instructions. Over time, after birth, your cells gradually lose the ability to communicate and regenerate your body causing aging. So that's one of the things that this is combating against. And there's a drug company right now. Um, going through the testing procedure, getting FDA clearance. Um, where was I at? Oh, right now they're about 8 to 12 months away from approval of their product. And it will regrow 
tendons, ligaments, and remove inflammation. Basically, it's going to be able to get rid of any form of arthritis and lifetime injuries that you have. And we're literally looking at this within the next year being released. They're in the final phase of FDA clearance. That is fucking amazing. I just, I'm blown away by some of the things that I recently have found out. So, um, here's another cool one. Have you ever heard of spray-on stem cells? (laughs) They can actually take your stem cells and spray them on you. How? Don't ask me. Okay, well, let's just talk about like a case where it would be handy. Somebody is horribly burned in a fire. Or they get a really deep, horrible cut that's going to be scarring. Maybe tissue missing. Maybe it's on their face. They're going to be scarred for life. Not anymore. No more skin grafts or cadaver parts. There are seven hospitals in America right now where you can get this procedure done. Doctors can take your stem cells and I don't have all the details, but like say your face is burnt off. They spray it on your face. Three weeks later, your body's epigenetics have the required material and instructions to regrow your face exactly as it was before. Back exactly the same as it was. The way you had it before the damage. Is that not fucking amazing? There's lots of regeneration therapies coming soon or in the next couple years, no matter what. Just remember, this is cool stuff to talk about, but it's a good idea to slow down cellular aging and have better health and live longer. These breakthrough therapies are sure to be very expensive at first. And some may still be five or ten years away from actually being available to the regular Joe to get them. Okay? So I just want to throw that out there first. The main thing that I'm talking about today is you having control of extending your life and your health physically. And how can you do it? And I dug through Dr. David Sinclair's material to figure this out. He is the leading preeminent expert on extending lifespan. I'm talking world leading scientific authority, Harvard professor, biologist, professor of genetics. This is the guy that you want to turn to and study on if you want to extend your life. If you don't get your information here from this podcast, or if I don't give you enough, research Dr. David Sinclair. And he has done enough podcasts and videos on YouTube and things like that. You can find extensive information on him and his methods, what he's learned through research. He's got a book out called Lifespan. I would highly recommend it because every person that is worth their salt in this world talking about regeneration, living longer, being healthier, has talked to this man because he's on the cutting edge. So let's dig in on what you can do physically to extend your life and your health right now. All right. Today, I will cover the various non-dietary 
physically adverse methods that you can add specific stressors to your body and your mind in some cases to encourage hormesis. That's a positive strength or growth over our physical and mental faculties. It can be low intensity aerobic exercise. It can be high intensity aerobic exercise. It can be resistance training, which is weight training, basically. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Maybe you never heard of that. Hot therapy and cold therapy. They all mimic adversity and promote health in different degrees, as well as protecting against age-related disease. And they enhance your longevity. So, aging basically begins when you are conceived. The clock starts ticking, tick-tock, till you hit your grave. Before things were civilized, you had to go hunt for your food. You had to run when a fucking tiger was trying to kill you. You had to find warmth when it was a freezing night. Or hell, even during the day. Or maybe it's too hot. You had to find a way to cool off. You needed to get water to drink to stay alive. Okay, life and death were a daily reality back then. We were constantly challenged physically and mentally. Now, it's the opposite. There is almost no challenge unless you purposely go look for it. Comfort is the worst thing for your longevity and your health. Please understand that. Constantly eating throughout the day, especially processed food, is horrible for you. Pardon me. Especially sugar. One of the worst processed foods. Sitting all day. Whether you're in a car, whether you're at work. Whether you're at home or whether you're on the couch, it's not good. This is not good either. So the food and the habits of most people are conducive to creating disease and health problems of all sorts. And not only that, your mental faculties will be ruined by these behaviors as well. So the main focus is the physical side of longevity, like I said earlier. What makes your body stronger, healthier, more resilient, and last longer? So we must get off our asses and move. It's not like you have to get out the front door right now and go take off running or do something crazy like go bench press 500 pounds or squat 1,000. Guy or girl, it doesn't make a difference. This is non-gender specific, okay? I'm just talking move. You can't live your life in a sedentary position all the time eating trash food that has no nutrients and does nothing but spike your insulin and make you store body fat. You're basically committing a slow suicide by doing that. I know I sound ridiculous sometimes by the way I put things, but I'm trying to make an impression or slap you upside the head for a wake-up call if you're in this group that is doing everything wrong. Well, you need a wake-up call. 
And I'm here to help you out because I love my fellow human beings out there, guy, girl, non-binary. I don't care what you are, who you are. I'm here to help. So I have gathered all this information from Dr. David Sinclair to help you out. What can you physically do? Like I said, you must, must move. So that doesn't mean, like I said, just take off running. Of course, running works. That's great exercise. Running does help. But you can get physical exercise by doing numerous things. Walk. Walking is one thing for people don't give any credit anymore. Walking is wonderful for you. You could do it two or three times a day if you're not doing anything and you would see health benefits. I promise you. You would start noticing that you feel better. You would start noticing that you think better. You would probably start losing weight. Then couple that with some better choices on what you eat. I know this episode isn't about eating food, but still, couple that in with the movement of walking. Walking can be phenomenal. Okay? So, besides that, stretch. Lift weights, resistance training. Get hot. You could do saunas. You can do infrared saunas. You can do a hot bath. You can get cold. You could get an ice bath. That's probably the most hardcore. You can go to a cryotherapy. You ever heard of it? You ever done it where you get one of those tubes and it's negative 250 degrees? I know it sounds crazy if you hadn't done it, but it's not near as hard as getting into an ice bath. Um, there's other ways. You can take a cold shower. Most everybody that I'm talking to here has a shower. Instead of cranking it on hot, just turn it on. What's the coldest water coming out of there? See if you can stand in there for one minute, 30 seconds. Start out. 30 seconds, then I can turn on the warm water. Get used to it. As you get more used to it, breathe, deep breath through it, then move your way up to 60 seconds. Anyways, I'm just giving you some different options here in general to challenge yourself in some way, physically. And as you'll notice, when you physically challenge yourself, you mentally challenge yourself because your mind's always saying, get the fuck out of this. Don't do that. Sit back down on the couch and watch Netflix. Let's go eat some pizza. Let's do nothing. Your mind is subconsciously about survival and it thinks if it's up against a challenge, it doesn't have to be. It wants to pull you back down to where you're doing nothing. That's what your subconscious mind is always telling you to do. You've got to challenge yourself. In some way, you have to challenge yourself to gain better health or longevity or at least maintain it if you're old enough where you're on the downhill side of things. Otherwise, you're basically devolving at an escalated level. So you're degenerating, your muscles disappearing, your bones are getting more brittle once you get elderly at a very fast rate. So if you don't fight against it, you can't even maintain where you're at. You're just heading to the grave quicker and quicker every day. So gain or maintain muscle by doing something. Gain or maintain nerve control, your nervous system. It's either going to grow or maintain where it's at or it's going to devolve Blood vessels, your vascularity. That's right. Your blood vessels can actually grow. 
if you put yourself up against a challenge. All these challenges I'm talking about do all these things. But if you do nothing, it's going away. You can gain or maintain stronger bones. You can gain better, thicker, denser bone density by doing something physical. I mean, walking, running, all that makes your bones denser. Yes, something simple like that. But if you do weight training, even more so. You can make your freaking bones like steel. Neural function. Gain or maintain it. One of the things as of the last decade that's definitely been proven by scientific study is physical activity improves your neuronal activity. Your brain gets stronger, thinks quicker, acts faster, operates better if you do physical activity. So there goes the fucking meathead stereotype you've heard so much about. If you go to the gym, if you do anything to take care of yourself physically, you're going to increase blood flow and oxygen to your brain, maintaining or making your neuronal capacity better. Brain cells don't just die off. They do regrow. Brain-derived neurotrophic factor, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, actually can be spurred on by physical exercise. And there's some supplements to do it, but we're not talking about supplements. So all those things, muscle, nerve control, blood vessels, stronger bones, neuronal function, you can gain it or at least maintain it by doing something. The main thing is you don't want to lose it because if you do nothing physically challenging that I'm talking about today, all you do is about the age 35 is head downhill. You just start losing it. You might start losing it even earlier if you're living a toxic lifestyle. All you do is eat shit and sit on your ass. You might start degrading at the age of 22 or something like that. Another thing, getting hypoxic, needing more oxygen. That's all hypoxic is. Sounds like a horrible disease, but it's, it's nothing more than a lower level of oxygen in your bloodstream. That strengthens your body, your brain, and your immune function. That again means doing exercise of some fort, sort, sort, fort, sort is super healthy. Some sort of exercise is super healthy. Exercise can prevent, listen to these stats, 23% of all cancers. Is that not crazy? These are stats I'm getting from David Sinclair, okay? And he's a preeminent scientist in the world of longevity. All-cause mortality, all causes of death go down 27% from exercise. That's from all deadly conditions, which means exercise is the best life extension available as of right now. There is nothing better. There is no drug. There is no other form of anything you can do to help extend your life improve your physical condition or your neuronal brain capacity exercise is the best and that's a huge percentage of improvement right there cancer is one of the things most people are scared of and then you look at all cause mortality every form that could kill you every kind of disease i don't care if it's from diabetes to heart disease to 
whatever you can possibly think of, 27% reduction by doing exercise on a regular basis. Wow. Consider it. That was so freaking eye-opening to me. I knew it was great for you, but when you actually get to hear a number put to it, what a difference that makes. Most everyone dies of some disease or some medical condition too. It's not like most people just pass away quietly in their sleep when they're 95. Their body just quits. You've heard of probably some people out there. You probably don't know very many. Most people die of heart attacks, diabetes, cancer, pardon me, something. Some disease is going to get them. So reducing all of your medical problems by exercising three to five times a week, 30 to 45 minutes, that's it. Three to five times a week, 30 to 45 minutes. It's not much to ask for a better, healthier, healthier, longer life. 27% better chance of living long without degenerative health problems. So with this in mind, try to get between 4,000 to 10,000 steps a day. That sounds like a lot. No, it's not. It might be more than you're doing if you're not doing anything. But as a bare minimum, 4,000, somewhere between 4,000 to 10,000. How do you measure it? Pedometer. Where do you get a pedometer? You got a phone. I guarantee you your fucking phone has a pedometer on it. You probably always got it on you, so it's probably counting all your steps all the time. Anyways, I know on Apple phone, mine, you go into the health app, it's counting all your steps all the time. You got the phone on you. Anyways, look at it. Start paying attention to how many steps you're getting a day. Try to always walk after you eat a meal too. This is like the best time to walk. Why is that, Jay? Well, let me tell you. It blunts your insulin secretion. Insulin is one of the biggest problems we have today. Too much insulin being secreted by people all the time because they're eating sugary foods. Really highly sugary foods. So insulin is just being jettisoned out all the time into their blood system. And then your body becomes insulin insensitive. Then you develop diabetes. Then you start having fingers and toes lopped off. You're taking injections of insulin all the time because you don't produce it correctly. Try to start walking after every meal. Let me tell you why, okay? You need to know why. It blunts insulin secretion. It enhances insulin sensitivity. So it will be quicker, quickly removed from your bloodstream. It increases your digestion of your food that you just ate. That's good too. Blunts the increase in fat storage. So less of your food goes to be put away as worthless fat that does nothing. All fat is is storage and then it causes health problems. It also increases amino acids to your muscles. Great, especially if you're working out, you want that. It also increases glycogen to your muscles. Now, if glycogen doesn't have a place to go, it gets stored as fat. But if we can increase glycogen delivery to 
places that need them, like you store in your liver, you store in your muscles, you store some in your bloodstream. But if those places are full, your body will start storing glycogen as fat. So go for a postprandial stroll. That's just after you eat a, a walk. These are all the benefits that you get. You understand? Do it. Go for a walk after you eat. Try it. Maybe once. Twice a day. If you can, do it three times a day. Do it as many times as you have available. 10 minutes. 15 minutes. That might be your workout for the day. Two or three walks a day. If you aren't doing anything, it's a huge improvement. But these are the benefits you get from low-level walking exercise. All the stuff I just told you about. That's huge. So that's just talking about the benefits of walking like after you get through eating. What about if you do vigorous exercise? Go hardcore. You go for a run. You're going and lifting weights. You're going and shooting hoops with the boys for an hour and a half or whatever it is. I don't care. You play tennis. You go swimming and you go all out. Well, there's even more benefits. This is where we go the vigorous exercise, this is where we go for hypoxia. Lower levels of oxygen in the blood system because of the high demand on energy. You're breathing hard when you're doing this kind of stuff. That's what's going to lower your level of oxygen is the demand your muscles have for it. It happens when you run or you exert yourself enough to raise your heart rate and start breathing hard. That's it. You can't talk if you're doing this kind of exercise. So if you are talking on your phone or with a workout partner, then we probably got to get you to pick up the pace if you want to figure out this vigorous exercise thing. Because vigorous exercise gives even more benefits than doing moderate exercise. You could build this ability up doing intervals for the beginners out there. Try running for 30 seconds, then walk for 120 seconds or 180 seconds. That's a couple minutes. Then repeat it. Go back and do another 30-second run. Then repeat your walk time. Next week, maybe you try and bump it up to 60 seconds you do a run. And then you walk 120 seconds. Then repeat. Then the next week, you try running 60 seconds again, but you cut your walk time down. It's not going to be 120 seconds anymore, 180 seconds. Instead, you go to 60 seconds. So it's one-minute run, one-minute walk, and repeat. These are the kind of intervals that can build up your capacity to operate at a higher level. Now, you can do this on a bike or you can do it swimming or with weights. Just make adjustments that you need to to challenge yourself appropriately. A couple times a week, going hypoxic causes hormesis. That's your body adapting because of the stress. New cells grow. Mitochondria. Now, mitochondria is the engine inside your cells that produce energy. The older we get, the more mitochondria deteriorates and the less energy you have. So if you feel like you are bummed out, you don't got energy, you're taking caffeine all the time, you probably have a low level of mitochondria because you're not doing enough to regenerate your mitochondria in your cells. They die off as you get older. This causes new blood vessels to grow. There's just lots of adaptations that come from doing vigorous exercise. 
Find something physical that you love. Something you love doing. Something that is not going to be a chore. And even if you can't find something you love, find something you can do a couple times a week. And sex is not going to cut it. I know some of you going, I like to fuck. I'm going to get a lot of sex in. I'm going to bang a lot of dudes or I'm going to hammer a lot of chicks or whatever you're saying to yourself. That's not going to cut it. Sex is not high demand exercise. Oh, you don't know the way I screw Jay. Fuck you, man. No, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a fucking Roman God, Apollo or whatever. Let me just give you the stats. You burn four to six calories a minute. This is on average, okay? You burn on four to six calories a minute. This is on average from thousands of fucking people that were measured by science scientists that did this. What a great study to participate in. I'm sure these people got paid too. But still, even if you're a god at sex, 10 calories a minute, I mean... I don't know what the fuck you're doing different than all these other people that you burn double the calories. But anyways, most people average five to 10 minutes. Oh, not me, Jay. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. I'm just telling you the average that's found in the scientific study. Four to six calories, five to 10 minutes. There is no 30 to 60 minute person that popped up that's a fucking porn star in the average public. So anyways, I'm not knocking sex down. It's healthy. It's wonderful for you. It's great. It's beneficial in so many ways. There's lots of hormones released, oxytocin. It keeps your relationship and your bond together with your mate or whoever you're with, your wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you want to call it. But don't call that your exercise, okay? That's the one thing I would say you you cannot use and say, I have sex every day. I have sex five days a week. Doesn't matter. It's not vigorous enough to produce any benefits. You get more benefits from going on a walk for 30 minutes than you do from having sex. Sorry. Another tip. There are so many wearables out there now that you can... Get metrics on. Measure where you're going, what you're doing. Like the Aura Ring, an Apple Watch, a Whoop Strap. There's so many other loads of different things and gadgets out there that can measure things. They've got GPS. They measure your heart rate, your steps taken, your sleep, whether you're in REM or not. They can tell you so many different things. You can even get glucose monitors and stuff to see what your blood sugar is like during the day. Look into that if you want metrics, if that motivates you, if it helps you do better with your physical activity and your diet. Okay, so besides aerobic training, try to get weight training, resistance training in. Okay, Weights can be with a machine or with dumbbells at the gym or at your house, wherever that it's convenient for you. Do it at least three days a week. At a certain age, your muscles, your bones, your blood vessels, heck, everything starts degrading. At 30, you lose an average of 1% a year every year after that or more. 
you can stop or reverse this process in most cases. So that means you have to move more. Low intensity, some higher intensity aerobic movements, but also lift some weights a couple times a week because the weight lifting, the resistance training is going to give you benefits that the cardio doesn't. Okay? I love weight training. I couple cardio with weight training. I do it six days a week. I always do somewhere between 20 to 30 minutes of cardio a day. Sometimes I do more. Weight training, I do 45 to 60 minutes a day. The only day I give myself off is one day a week. Monday. Most people are probably going to take Sunday, but I figured out Monday works the best for me. I get back into the groove of the week by taking Monday off. Sunday, I actually do work out. So, that's it for working out. Aerobics and weight training. You see the benefit, or you hear the benefit because I'm talking to you. It's not a video. But you understand now, there's so many benefits, and I've laid out the stacks, the stats, the statistics on everything. It's so damn important for your resilience, for your hormesis, for the body to adapt and grow and stay healthy, stay strong, stay resilient, especially once you get 30 and over. And if you're under 30 and you're listening to this, well, then you're on the building phase. You can build your body up. You can build more muscle and more bone um, density and more vascular um, structure and more nerve tissue and all this stuff. So whether you're young or whether you're old, it doesn't make a difference. It benefits you both ways. It's going to slow down your aging process and make you a stronger, more resilient person with loads of other benefits besides just living longer and being healthier. So let's move on to the next section here. Besides just doing that, there are little techniques you can do outside of working out and cardio that can benefit you in the life game. Most people have never heard of this, but it needs to be mentioned. David Sinclair talks about it. Hyperbaric oxygen chambers. You don't know what that is? It's those glassed in chambers that people get in that are pressurized that push oxygen into your tissue without you even breathing. Now, what you're breathing inside the chamber is highly oxygenated too. The outside air that we breathe is somewhere around 20 to 21% oxygen. All the rest of it's other gases and bullshit that's in the air. When you get into an oxygen chamber, you're talking somewhere around 90% on up pure oxygen. And it's under pressure. So you can go up atmospheric levels, like you're at 10,000, 20,000 feet. The pressure increases. So it pushes the oxygen in through your skin, into your tissue. Crazy, huh? And it's at it, it's at high levels of oxygen too. So you're breathing in that high level of oxygen. It's been shown that hyperbaric oxygen chambers slow aging. Scientific studies have been done on it. It heals wounds, extends your life. You can literally get high 
because it's so much oxygen inside these chambers. But it's very expensive, so it's not something everybody can do. Oh, and also you can get an endorphin release. Endorphins are those wonderful feel-good hormones that you get. I mean, you get an endorphin release after sex just compared to that. It's not the exact same endorphins that are released from sex, but you're not going to feel like an orgasm, but you feel like, oh, damn, giggly, feel good. Man, you want to do it again. You've heard of runner's high. Same thing. So, I didn't really talk about the endorphin release, the runner's high, but it's real. Um, it's, it's very much related to exercise. Also, I just forgot to mention it. Okay. It usually requires more vigorous activity. So don't expect on a walk around the block that you're going to get the runner's high. You usually got to run or lift heavy weights or do something very vigorous to get that release from your brain. Okay. So hyperbaric oxygen, wonderful. There are centers usually locally that anybody can go to that can throw them in one of these hyperbaric oxygen chambers or you can buy one for probably ten thousand dollars and just dig it in the garage if you got that kind of money next cold therapy ice baths cold showers cryotherapy yeah that's right all that really uncomfortable shit that nobody likes cold produces brown fat fat you say Fat's bad. Not this fat. It's the one and only kind of fat. There's like four different kinds of fat. All the others are bad. Brown fat's the good one. Yes, it's metabolically active. No other fat is metabolically active. It's dead storage space. But this fat burns white fat. The bad, ugly, sloppy, cottage cheese looking fat that's underneath your skin. Sloppy. So it's burning calories. It's similar to muscle. You have a lot as a baby. But as you grow, it dissipates because babies can't shiver. Babies can't keep themselves warm. They have brown fat for protection. Next, as I just mentioned, cold causes the shivering. So that's muscle convulsions that burn calories. Also, it lowers inflammation throughout your body. Many of us know this because when we get injured, you're always told to put ice on it. One thing that it also does, besides the inflammation, is the vasoconstriction. This is another thing that helps with the lowering of inflammation. It constricts your blood vessels, slowing down the blood flow to most of your exterior body when you're in cold. It, the main thing your body does when it's freezing is close off all the blood vessels and pull your blood into your brain and your major organs to keep you alive. So... It's very good. It's very, very healthy. Just remember, blood vessels are like muscles. They can constrict or expand. They literally have muscle tissue in them. All your little veins do. Is that not fucking insane, the engineering that went into this? Thank you, God. Or if you're out there, don't believe in God. I do. Because I, I look at this body as a genius constructed organism biologically what we are can you believe there's little muscles inside your blood vessels that can constrict or open up or do whatever they want and you don't even have to think about it they do it based on survival they feel cold they constrict they feel heat they open up anyways I get fascinated with that just talking about it so it also burns calories because all this shit's going on you're shivering, your blood vessels are constricting. So yeah, you're going to burn calories when you're in the cold. 
Also, it upregulates your mitochondria. That is your cells little engine just pretend you're looking at a ball that's a cell there's an engine inside there like a car engine that's your mitochondria that's what makes energy for your whole body all your cells have to have mitochondria to make energy so as you get older those mitochondria dissipate they go away got to keep them up regulated and that's one thing cold does it's a great way to get uncomfortable It's a great practice to enhance your longevity. It's a great practice mentally to face, to breathe through it, to challenge yourself, to stay in when you want to run from the cold, and you get a huge endorphin release from the cold once you're done with it and you get out of it. Like when I do cryo, every single time I get out of that negative 280 degrees is usually what I get to, three minutes. Negative 280 degrees. When I walk out of there after three minutes, I feel this huge release of feel-good hormones in my brain. And it goes all throughout my body. I don't feel any pains anywhere. Those are endorphins. It's like your body's own morphine factory. It can produce these things. That's why you have those receptors, because your body can make this stuff. Next, since we talked about cold, let's talk about another uncomfortable thing, heat. The exact opposite. Saunas have been around since the days of the Romans. They used to have fires underneath rooms. They would set and have water, and it would boil the water and make uh, basically the same thing. A sauna for them. Steam sauna. There's lots of wonderful benefits, and it's still very popular in Finland throughout that whole country. Wish it was more popular here, but you can always get a gym that has a sauna or you can buy one for your house. If you could do it two or three times a week, same with the cold, would be awesome. Either one. It's been proven to decrease cardiovascular D disease, excuse me, proven to decrease cardiovascular disease by 20%. Scientific studies that are done in Finland. They're no different than me and you. They talk different. Same human being. Lowers cardiovascular disease by 20%. Cardiovascular disease is one of the top killers in people all around the world, especially here in America. You release heat shock proteins also when you are inside the sauna. Heat shock proteins are super beneficial. They do all sorts of things to upregulate good hormones and mitochondria, other things in your system that you need. And it's a vasodilator. It's the opposite of cold. Cold vasoconstricts, heat vasodilates. And like I said, there's lots of different kinds. Oh, good Lord, excuse me. Lots of different saunas. Steam, electric, infrared. Even you could use a hot tub or a hot bath. It's close enough. It can simulate the effects of a sauna. It's a great stressor. There you go. That's another life extension protocol guaranteed and you get a nice endorphin release from this as well basically anything out of this list i've talked about that releases endorphins is basically surefire healthy life extension protocol so if you feel good after you do it like almost high then you know you got an endorphin release you got that dump of endorphins because you just challenged your body that's your body's way your mind's way of releasing those hormones to help you get through it because 
it numbs you a little bit. It's like a painkiller and it lifts your spirits and makes you feel good. That's what endorphins are all about. So anything out of this list I've talked about that releases these endorphins, do it. Okay? So you got this. You know what to do now. So go for it. What's stopping you? There's so many different physical methods that are here within your control that you can do something about. You don't have to get any supplements. This is not about food. You can do that another time. I always recommend cleaning up your diet and eat more naturally, eat more clean, get away from processed shit. But if you can't, maybe you can do some of these physical things. I'm trying to give you anything that you can use to help make your life better. So Dr. David Sinclair is dumping tons of knowledge out there in the last couple of years on extending your life. And it's scientifically peer-reviewed knowledge that is proven to help you extend your life, to make it better, to make you healthier. So use it. Any of these things I talked about, incorporate them slowly but surely into your life, but start doing it. Take action now. Because before you know it, another 10 years or 20 years goes by and you haven't done anything. You've been doing the same thing and you are disgusted by your results. You're having health problems. You're unhappy. Change that. Extend your existence and feel better while you do it. Have better health. Okay? Much love to you guys out there in podcast land. Thank you for checking out another episode. If you would, please... Leave me a review on whatever podcast site you're on. I would love to get a great review. I would love to get the highest star rating that you could possibly give me. So that's what I'm shooting for here is to give you quality information. So you will leave me one of those reviews and ratings. And that helps other people find the show. Because people these days, you know how it is. If you look up a restaurant, you want to see what's it rated. If it's two star one star, you go, fuck that. I'm not eating there. Everybody said it's a piece of shit. So that's what I'm shooting to get good ratings. And then also, I ask you if you do listen to the show and you feel it's giving you some quality that you can use, some value. I do put it out for free and I always will, but you can give me a tip like you do when you go out to a restaurant. So wherever you clicked on the link to come to this, there's always going to be a support link. And if you click on that support link, you can donate a dollar up to $10 for the podcast. Whatever you would like to do, if it's a dollar, if it's $10, anything that you can do to support the podcast, I would be greatly appreciative of you doing it. Seriously, it would mean a lot to me. So that's it for now. Until next time, live long and prosper in Star Trek manner. Like Spock would say, live long and prosper. And until next time, I'll catch you guys on the next one. Later. Do not consider these episodes as medical advice or expertise in any area. I do deconstruct some experts and their material and deliver it to you. But please do all of this at your own risk. Contact keeping it real at gmail.com. Email me.
contact keep